Welcome back to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no regrets life, to make this life count, and to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Today on my program, I have, I have Sam and Jerry Lang. Sam and Jerry, welcome to the program. Great to have you here today. It's, it's great to be here. <laughs> Thank you for having us. Oh, I'm thrilled to have you on the program. You, you guys are heroes of the faith, and I'm, I'm thrilled that you make the time to be able to talk to me today. Got such a, a long history in the kingdom of God. There's so many things we could talk about, but would you mind sharing how you guys became Christians? How how did you come into the kingdom of God? Well, when I was, uh, I went to the University of Florida to go to school. Uh, the University of Florida when I was uh, just graduated from high school, and I uh, went down there and heard the preaching and teaching down there. I'd been going to church, but. They taught me, oh, you need to make Jesus Lord. <laughs> they taught me, oh, you need to be out sharing your faith. You need to love one another. You need to be close to each other. And I realized, oh, my, I've not yet. I've been going to church, but I've not yet made Jesus Lord. So I had to think it through, and I made that decision in the late 60s, like 1969, to become a disciple. And then Jerry can share her story. You know, it's funny. Um, when you look back many years later, you realize hindsight is 2020 and you see God's hand at work. When you're in the middle of it, you're just going from one day to the next, mm. making a decision that day. Right. But uh, when I look back at my families, what God did to bring my family to God, to him, and then to me, what he did to bring me to him, I, I do stand pretty amazed mm. at his working. Uh, my fam, my parents became Christians in the Mainline Church of Christ when I was in high school. It was a total change wow. for them. Wow! Uh, and we started attending a church. I didn't. I I understood the doctrine uh, from that point on, but it was when I went on went to a retreat up in Gainesville that mm -hmm. I was invited to attend. I went up there not because I was so spiritual, but because I thought University of Florida, yes, count <laughs> me in, I'll go. And, uh, but I remember that retreat, it was a small, probably maybe, I don't know, 20 or 30 college students. And I remember us studying the Bible, mm -hmm. studying first John, the book of first John and God is love. And I'd never understood the personalness of it. Mm -hmm. Then I remembered hearing, I went up to a seminar and I heard Jesus is Lord. I'd never understood that mm. and that I could have Jesus, but he had to be Lord as well as my savior. And I oh. was baptized at that point. But, you know, when you look back, you realize God came after me when I wasn't even looking for him. <laughs> right, right. I just got to say, Jerry, you look fantastic. I just, you look just totally Sam, you, you're doing something right there. You just, your wife looks absolutely radiant today. <clears throat> That's great. That was, so that was, what year was She's that? Yeah, I remember, meeting her. I remember meeting her before she was baptized and I got to baptize her. <laughs> oh, that's a, wow. That's a cool story. So you were- In fact, he met me at that retreat that I went to. I had just been baptized and went to that retreat and met her about two or three weeks later. It was awesome. <laughs> You had some skills in it and looking for a very beautiful women. That's great, Sam. 
You were you were both primary. Yeah, was gracious to me. <laughs> you were primary leaders in the Crossroads Campus Ministry, which is a forerunner of yes, the campus ministry mm-hmm. movement, the Boston movement, the International Churches of Christ. Um, can you share what what was unique about that ministry? I mean, it's just there's there's hundreds, hundreds, and maybe thousands of campus ministries, you know, of different denominations. What was unique about that ministry? What what was it about it that would later lead on to something something totally different? Right. Well, I think what what we've already mentioned was that um, we preached Jesus is is not only he's to be your savior, but he's to be your Lord, and you need to repent and give him your life and and uh, submit yourself to him, and you don't earn your salvation, but that's the way you receive it as uh, Jesus is Lord and Savior, and uh, also go out and share your faith. I think that was a huge thing. We started sharing our faith. I remember sharing it with my, when I was still a college student, and then after I graduated, all our college students would share their faith. We have soul talks uh, just every week, and huge numbers of visitors were coming, and the other thing we we learned in that season uh, was love one another, Jesus taught us that in in uh, through in John chapter 16 and and of course it's taught through all the letters of Paul and Peter and everything love one another and help each other to grow spiritually mm-hmm. that was a huge thing is I used to just go to church before I went there I just went to church and went home and nobody talked to me about my spiritual life and I never talked to them about their spiritual life but down there we started helping each other in a humble way, not in an arrogant way or bossing everybody around, but by helping each other to grow spiritually. So those were some of the, the key. And plus just teaching the Bible a lot. It was awesome. We saw so many souls saved and so many baptisms and so many of them went out and started uh, teaching the gospel all around the kingdom, all around the country. I mean, right. It's amazing. You know, it was, a uh, that was a very, well, I'd like to say unique time in history, but in many ways, I feel like we're at a time in history where we're repeating a lot of what we went through mm-hmm. in the late 60s and the early 70s. It was a tremendous time of unrest. <laughs> Everyone was questioning everything. I remember the slogan was uh, church, uh, what was it? God is dead. Mm-hmm. And um, God, yes, church, no. There was the Vietnam War. There was the beginning of the women's lib movement, and there was a lot of anger involved with that. There was the civil rights movement. Uh, we were all a lot of hippies, and we were kind of questioning everything that we'd ever been taught to believe mm. before. Mm-hmm. And um, I've thought in this difficult time right now, even that our world is in a lot of unrest, uh, a lot of questions. Um, that ushered in an incredible open spirit on the college campus. Everybody was asking questions. We were throwing everything out that we'd always believed before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yet, somehow it ended up being a very uniquely open time. And that's what I'm hoping, and we, even now. We called on people to repent of sexual sin and of getting drunk. And mm-hmm. we also, uh, one of the most amazing things was back in the, that, those days, blacks and whites couldn't be together. And we, as a white church, invited the Black Student Union to come to our church. And they did. And they loved it. And they started coming and getting baptized, and we built a black and white relationship, which was radically showing people Jesus can make all kinds of people love each 
Yet in the middle of it, we didn't realize how extraordinary that time was. You know? We got a lot of persecution, but it, we still were able to be fruitful. That's amazing. Now, you guys have spent a lifetime doing ministry. I think you just retired just a couple of years ago. Is that right? Yes. Okay. How, yes. How, how, have been, how have you been able to stay so passionate and so focused on God, so committed to his work for so long, you know, 50 plus years writing so many books, leading so many different churches, helping so many different families, marriages with your, your teaching content, your writing and your preaching and teaching. What, what gets you guys up in the morning? How do you keep that love burning? It's the, the grace of God, knowing how much he loves us, knowing how much he cares for us, knowing how much Jesus loves us and cares for us. And he's guided us. He's taught us uh, when we were, needed to learn more about how to be good teachers or how to help people. He taught us how to do it. And uh, even when we went through trials and challenges, he would bring good out of that. And that's, of course, what we read about in the Bible, that rejoice in your trials. God's teaching you. <laughs> right. And he taught me a lot. Uh, he had to teach me a lot uh, as a, a young man going into the ministry. And he kept, and he had, by the way, he's still teaching me now. He's still teaching me what I need to learn now. But he, he taught us and encouraged us and blessed us in spite of the challenges we went through. Yeah, you know, I think, um, I think, number one, we were, we were converted to Jesus. And um, we were in it for the long haul from the very beginning. We, we wanted a relationship with God. And the church yes. was part of how we stayed strong in our relationship with yes. God. We were never converted to the church. And um, <laughs> the other thing is we really believed, and I think we all still do, that uh, the Bible was God's word to us and it's God breathed and it's useful for teaching, for correcting, for training in righteousness, um, that the servant of God may be equipped for all good work. And um, so I think along the way, we use the Bible at every single stage in our life. And so it's still just as relevant today. We're in a, some of the scriptures I read today that mean so much to me. I read them back when I like, well, I always tease our scriptures when we were young in the ministry. Mine was first uh, Timothy. Our, ours were you're young. Of course, now my scripture is Titus too. The older women should teach the younger. And, uh, but, you know, the Bible is, it truly is. It's alive right. and it's real and right. it's directed our steps every stage of life. And when Jerry said she, we weren't converted to the church, she didn't mean we weren't loyal to the church, but Absolutely. it was because of Jesus yes. that brought up, that made us be able to stay in the church and still love everybody, even though we were imperfect and they were, but because of Jesus, we could all know that we're perfect in Christ. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, especially. And I think also you, you're always learning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, you're always learning and that's exciting. Disciple that, means learner. Yeah. yeah. And that, that does keep life not always easy, but exciting. Learn, learn, <laughs> learn. Okay. That's great. That's great. It's very inspiring. Jerry, you were instrumental in building a strong women's ministry. Can you tell me how that got started? I mean, when I talk to um, my wife and so many other sisters like, man, Jerry Lang, Jerry Lang, 
so much of the women's ministry goes back to um, people like yourself and you in particular. Can you tell me how how did the women's role get started in the um, Gainesville Church? And tell me more about that. You know, I think it was very different um, back then. Uh, but I'll tell you how it really got started. Um, was Ann Lucas, who's about nine years older than me and has been my one of my very, very, very best friends for since I was a young college student. But she became convicted as a young mom with two little children that she needed to be sharing her faith. And I remember her sharing it at a, at a big campus conference and all of us being so moved. From that, from that decision, she decided she would start a Thursday morning ladies Bible study. And I was just a college student then. Um, I, I may have babysat during that time then. And then as I became a young married woman, I started attending that and literally sitting at her feet, hearing mm. her teach the Bible. Mm. That women's Bible study grew from, I think that were like two or three people that she started with to over a hundred women coming every Thursday morning wow. to study the Bible. And we did it not by topic. We would take a book and we would go line by line through it. And Anne would lead it, but there was loads of discussion. We converted so many women from that. It wasn't something we're thinking like, oh, we need to lead a women's ministry. It was, oh, we are young women and we are called by God to make a difference mm. in, in other people's lives. And we just went after it. But as we did that, we formed incredibly deep relationships because mm. we studied the Bible with a lot of people. And uh, so if that's really kind of how it got yeah. started. <laughs> and she was the husband of our minister. She was the wife, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm sure she was the <laughs> wife of our minister, sorry, Chuck Lucas. And uh, then she was hired to be on staff to lead our women. So yeah. uh, it, it mm -hmm. built a huge, great number of women who converted to Christ and grew in Christ as she, she was brought in. Okay, right. let's just camp out there for a second. So she was hired by the church prior to that. It was, I mean, it was very uncommon for women to be employed by the church. Isn't that true? Right. By the traditional Church of Christ. Well, we, um, right. Actually, once we started doing some campus ministries, we did hire. Uh, there were some women, there were, there was a single woman. Uh, the first one was Martha Bell, and then it was Martha Peacock. And we hired them to work with the college women. Um and then Anne came on staff later. So we did always have one or two women that kind of oversaw okay. the, the work of the women. Well, Jerry, where did the whole concept of a women's ministry leader or women's counselor come from? How did that spring up? I think that was pretty much when we started. We, we did realize, and this was really before me, this was when I was a college student, uh, I think, uh, Chuck and the other el and the elders realized that it's not always appropriate for the men, you know, to be getting with the women. And uh, so they, they hired a woman. And um, so that was pretty much how the women's counselor role. Okay. Women can about. more effectively lead women. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Right. Now. And then it became, I 
think it became more organized as time went on and yeah. as our ministries got bigger. Right. Well, what's in, interesting about it, Okay, it started with two people, two or three people, went to 100. That's inspiring. I hear that. I go, wow, that's so cool. I want to do that in my own church. But I'm sure that there are women listening, men, you know, men as well, are like, wow. There's a lot of women's groups. There's a lot of book groups. There's a lot of even Bible studies that are led by right. women that go nowhere. Okay, they don't, they don't grow. Right. They get together. They talk about, a, you know, scriptures. But there's no, you know magic, so to speak. There's no spiritual power. There's no conversions. You, what you're talking about is something that's like, okay, yeah, covering the Bible, getting together, but there was something different. I mean, people are becoming Christians in great numbers. What's the difference between what you witness there and what people are doing in their homes when they have their friends over for Bible study, but no, no one gets saved? Honestly, I mean, I think Sam and I have talked about that a lot. I do think that was a, a unique time in history. And sometimes I think people get very discouraged when they're not having the same, the same results that we had during that time. And I don't, sometimes it may be that we're not sowing enough seed and we're not doing all that we should, but sometimes there is a unique time in history mm -hmm. where God just, I, he just comes down and does something. I do think one thing we did that we did well, and I'm always trying to encourage women to do it today, but Sam and I have always sort of been big um, cheerleaders for this in the church, in church leadership. We were creative. We really tried to read the signs of the time and figure out, okay, well, what will work now mm -hmm. with, with where people are at? That was how the whole concept of at that time, Soul Talks, which later became Bible Talks, that was how that developed. Students won't come to church, so we'll go to them. Mm -hmm. um, I think there are a lot of things that we can do, but we have to think what's going to, where are people today? And the young ones know their generation more than I do. Mm -hmm. They've got to figure out what will speak mm -hmm. to our generation. Right. Um, that was something that I think we did and God bless that. Yeah. Well, one thing I hear you sharing about Anne and when she started, she had, she had a conviction. She started with a conviction. I want to share my faith. I want to be evangelistic. So there was like an intention that was founded at the beginning. Like this is to reach lost people primarily and right. it, it'll benefit other people. But that focus on the mission also brought the, the unif unification of relationships seems like what you're sharing there. There's, it's like in focusing on helping people, the Christians pulled together, the relationships really gelled and um, was built around that mission. Sam, are you going to say yeah. something? Yeah. As we reach out and try to help others become disciples together, we get closer to each other and we, we wisely help each other and encourage each other. And it, it's tremendous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So one of the, one of the issues that's been going around in, in the kingdom right now is the women's role, women mm -hmm. preaching. Uh, there's some, some who are very vocal about women preaching from the pulpit. Um, you know, and people are kind of wondering what's going on. There was a, a study group that put, put out a paper. Where, where, where do you guys stand on that in particular, Jerry? I'm interested in knowing what your opinion is on that. Well, let Sam go first on that. Well, I would, 
I would suggest um, we study some passages on it that are quite challenging on it. First Corinthians 14, 33 and 34, 1 Timothy 2, 11 and 12, about uh, the teaching about that, that, that the Bible does teach that men are supposed to be the evangelists and up front doing the, doing the leadership and preaching. Elders are supposed to be men. It doesn't mean that women aren't respected. Uh, they don't, they don't, uh, they aren't, we aren't equally important to God or anything like that, but it's just, it's just the role that we have. And I believe that I may get, uh, some people may disagree with me on this, but that men are supposed to be evangelists. Now, what I do when I get up and preach sometimes is I'll have my wife standing next to me and she'll share her thoughts about some of the things that I'm, I'm, I'm teaching or preaching about, but she doesn't take the main lead in preaching in front of the whole church. I think women can share a communion and things like that, but they can share in front of the church, but preaching, teaching, and all that, and primary leadership, at least my understanding of it in scripture is that's supposedly be mostly from men, but that women are to be respected and given opportunities to share, but not to be domineering and overbearing in the way they do it. Uh, <laughs> right. That's my thoughts. Thank you. Yeah, I, um, I mean, it is, it's a tough, tough subject because some things were cultural and they have, it had, the culture has changed. But on the other hand, I think there is, it always amazes me at how very practical God is. He's not just, you know, he's, he doesn't just decide this is how it's going to be. He does things because that's how it works. Mm -hmm. And um, the men and women's role, even in first Corinthians 14, where he talks about women be, not speaking and, and it's because they were they were getting too vocal and um they were disturbing worship and um i look all the way back at genesis 3 and you know adam was right there with eve right. <laughs> she kind of took over <laughs> and, it, and it kind of messed things up right so I don't have all the answers to all, all of it. I do think there is a practical side of there is a, a role, like Sam said, there is a role, there's an order, there's a how do things work smoothly and best. There's not a keeping women down. Obviously, I have a lot of opinions. Um, we both do. But there is an order of how things yeah. work and how it runs. And, and there also is... Uh, not all women are the most emotional, you know, it's not just all of the women, the female gender, but I do know women can run away and we are seeing some of that in our society where men do not have the strength, um, some of the young men to stand up, to be counted. Women are leading, but they're emotionally leading and they're, it, it, they're stressed and upset all the time. And there is, and we have gotten out of the order of, of things working right. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that makes well, any sense. That's why I wrote my couple of books for men, uh, uh, Mighty Men of God, Warrior, um, and calling on brothers to rise up and look at, look at our Old Testament examples of Moses and David and and all of them, and then our New Testament examples of, of Jesus' 12 apostles. Um, but on the other hand, it's not negative about women, but it's just that men are supposed to be in, in a role of leadership. Right.
Exactly. So they're, they're, we, can't, they're, we can't just opened up a Pandora's box. I don't know. But. No, I think it's it's a it's a it's great comments, and I, I think there is a slide. There's a, a direction that men in particular are taking towards greater and greater passivity, and yes. allowing others to to just basically take over. Men not speaking up. Men not taking the role of spiritual leader. And uh, right. your your books have spoken to those, especially yes. you know. And I certainly respect the things you've written there. So that's that's a big topic. We're not going to go any deeper into that, but thank you for sharing that. Okay. One one question I've been getting from people listening to the program, and there's a lot of people from literally around the world listening. Um, people want to do ministry, or the, whether they're paid or non-paid, and they're wondering how do you do it with small kids? How do you you got you got a bunch of screamers in your house and you're trying to lead a Bible discussion and it's just can be chaotic at times. How do you do it? You know, you guys have four kids or all disciples and you've got tons of grandkids. How did you guys do it? Yeah, when they were young uh, and not yet disciples, uh, I had to learn. I was an evangelist, and I felt a tremendous amount of responsibility to preach and teach and help so many people in the church. But then I realized something. I think God spoke to me through the Holy Spirit, teaching me, saying, Sam, you're not being devoted enough and loving enough to your kids when you come at home. You're, you're distracted. You're not focusing on them. You're anxiety, and you're worried. And so I, I repented and changed and wanted to change. And then I told Jerry about it and asked her to help me and she would. And, <laughs> but I, I really changed that uh, when I was raising my young kids. And it, it's not that I stopped being devoted to the church. It's that I didn't bring my anxiety and worry and thought home and allow me to not be devoted to my kids. Mm -hmm. And so they would ne not feel like, oh, dad's a minister. He's an evangelist. So that means he's not really caring about us. No, instead they knew dad cares about us now. He loves us. And it made them actually come to love God and love the church. But, and Jerry would help me if I was sitting there during dinner and <laughs> not paying attention and being, she'd say, Sam, she would do it quietly and humbly. You're not here. <laughs> and I would, I took that as a, as a godly connection, the correction from my lovely wife. And I would start being connected to my kids. And so I came up, became more devoted to my kids and also realized something. Hey, Sam. Somebody else can help. Other people can help you lead the church and can come lead this church. But who else can be the father of your kids? Mm -hmm. Who can be the husband of your wife? But you, you got, you got to do that. And so God taught me that. And then my kids, all four became disciples and they are their faithful day and they married the faithful disciples. And, and so it really made a huge difference. Mm -hmm. uh, and it may even help the church when they saw what I was doing. And God taught me. It was by the God's grace, by the way, that of he course. taught me this. With his mercy. Right. I think all that is absolutely true. I think for the women, um, I was at home during those years. I didn't have, I did a lot of little part-time jobs here and there, but I didn't have a full-time job outside of raising our kids. And we had our first three kids quite close together. And then we waited and had our fourth one. And um, I remember having to work around the children I, I was thinking about it this morning. I remember having some women come over at 6.30 in the morning to do a Bible study before the kids got up. I remember we put them to bed earlier than a lot of kids. They didn't just stay up till they fell asleep. I, they went to bed at eight o'clock at night and that was when we would have a Bible talk at our house or that's when we'd have 
people come over, uh, you know, during nap time. And then as the fourth one came, I remember we had to learn later because I became more and more involved in actual uh, larger ministry. And then we had to really learn how to work together. You know, I'll take the kids now. You go do this. Right. You take the kids while I go do that. We had to work. And I'm watching. I said, I'm watching our kids who are raising their own children now learn how to work and help each other so that the kids got what get what they need. And yet we can do some of the other things right. that we do need to do. Right. Uh, it's not easy. I was in touch with a friend that I helped to study with and baptize many years ago when our kids were babies back in Atlanta. We were texting yesterday and we always laughed because we'd have babies in high chairs, play pens, and we'd be studying the Bible, <laughs> feeding them snacks. Another friend, we'd go to, go to McDonald's, you know, we'd bring all the games and we'd somehow, I don't know how we did it, but right. I guess where there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> right. right. I, I think there's, you know, something that I see is sometimes uh, parents become so child-centered that it's like yeah. ministry takes, takes, basically takes a break. Once the kids come around, it's like, it's all about the kids. Any comments on that, that kind of a mindset? Well, you become child-centered in the sense of being devoted to them when you're with them at home, but that doesn't mean you're not still dedicated uh, to building the kingdom and teaching the Word of God and helping other disciples. It just means you do both. You you do them both, and um, you don't you don't allow your yourself to either become neglect your kids or neglect the kingdom, the church. Mm -hmm. By by you do both well. Right, and our kids they really were a part of a lot of what we did. Mm -hmm. And so they grew up, they loved the church. They've seen some of the things that aren't perfect, but they saw so many of the great things mm -hmm. and they were a part of it because it was our life. Right. It was, they were a part of our life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I think people listening would just love to kind of bottle your parental magic that you guys have. I mean, you guys seem like uh, America's perfect parents or something. Pretty no, awesome. No, no. I just wrote an article about this for fathers, by the way, about how to deal with your work and do it. And, and, uh, but yet not neglect your family while you're doing it. So uh, I just wrote an article about it. <laughs> if, if someone were interested in finding that article, where could they go? How could they get your well, you go on warrior for the Lord.com is um, where a lot of it's posted, or you can text six six eight six six and type in the word joy and they'll ask you for your for your email address and you give it to them and you'll start getting a, week, a free weekly um uh, we, every week or so um, an article from me or a video done for me by my son david by the way who interviews me and then shares a lot about being a, about about his life too so uh, there's two of us there and two different uh, generations oh thank you so type text 66866 and then type in the word joy and then joy joy and they'll, they'll text you back and ask you for your email address oh terrific thank you so much for sharing that and rob the we we were not perfect parents and we were <laughs> certainly not perfect in the ministry no we made a lot of mistakes and a lot of what we now know we, we, we learned some of it, we learned from doing it right, but some we learned from making mistakes. And I, I always do worry for the young ones when they, they hear us talk and it can sound like, oh, well, that was so easy. 
No, it's yeah. putting God first and figure, figuring it out right. as you go along. We need and to be humble. Make mistakes. Need to be humble as a leader and and learn to say, "Oh, I'm sorry," and change yeah. when you make mistakes. Absolutely. Right. Thank you. Now, Sam and Jerry, when you look back on your life's work, it's it's pretty impressive. I mean, there's a lot that's been done. Um, when you think back on starting there as, as campus ministry leaders of that the Crossroads Church, which just exploded, sent so many campus ministers out. Um, there's a lot to to be excited about. What are some some of the things that you give you the greatest satisfaction? Well, it's it's helping other people to become Christians, but also helping them grow as Christians and um, helping them get more and more mature, stronger, closer to God, learn their Bible, learn. Uh, also, we, Jerry and I did a lot of counseling on helping people get married, you know, and uh, so it's helping people to become Christians, grow as Christians, uh, giving us loving relationships in the kingdom. Some of the great ways that he's, I mean, my, I have friends now that I call that I used to be with back in Gainesville when they were college students <laughs> 50 years ago, you know, or 40 years ago, or people that were with us in other cities we lived in, and we still stay in touch with them, and it's such a blessing. Um, we encourage each other and help each other. It's one of my greatest joys in life, and uh, God mercifully teaching us how to serve others and and um serve them and and let them help us too and help help build we help build them up but they also help build us up and we we help each other overcome our our weaknesses and challenges and share our needs with each other and all that so amen mm -hmm. yeah all of those things um uh, a couple things uh, we we've often laughed at how we got started writing books because <laughs> the way it came about was we left one of the churches that kind of broke our heart. We, we were very happy. We got moved out. <laughs> we left. <laughs> and, um, and that was a, that was just a, a very sad time to yes. leave so many people that we loved in a, in a church situation that we just were so happy in, but we went to a smaller situation. And then when an opportunity came, um, we were asked at first just to write a chapter on raising kids and ended up setting, Sam said, I'll write the whole thing. And, um, but that kind of started a whole, the whole book, <laughs> new chapter of our life and probably a way that we've influenced yeah. many thousands of people more than we ever could have by sitting in front of people. And so that was just God's hand. By getting moved out of that other church, uh, if we hadn't moved out of there, we would never become book authors, but we did. And, and by the way, God moved us back there 20 years later. Wow. We were wow. able to encourage them and build them up, and it was wonderful. That's great. And so that led to the book, Raising Awesome raising, Kids in Troubled Times. Awesome our first book. That's, I would have never written that book had I stayed where I had been before. As painful as it was for me to leave, God used it to bless me. When we wrote it, we didn't even have a computer. We had a, um, it looked like a microwave, a word processor. <laughs> <laughs> Type it in on the word processor. His secretary from the church would come, pick up the manuscript, take it back to the church office, type it onto a floppy disk, something, put it on a floppy disk, send it to Boston, that they would edit it, send it back. We'd make the corrections, send it back by mail. That was how we did that first book. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> That's amazing. It was crazy. Yeah. It was amazing. 
Well, I, and the I, other thing you asked, the other thing that probably now at this part of our life that brings such satisfaction are we did move a lot. And that was probably one of the biggest sacrifices we made, not having roots in one place for a long time, like a lot of people get. But on the other hand, as we've gotten to this stage of life, some of the deep friendships that we have that go back so many years and they're spread out all over, um, especially as we've gone through some of the harder challenges of getting older, um, those are probably one of the greatest blessings that God has given us in our life. That's amazing. You know, Bruce Williams, I did an interview with him earlier, and he had sent me a picture of, of himself and you, Sam, and J.P. Tynes, the three of you guys, and you guys are standing yeah, together. We have that one. <laughs> and, you know, that, that picture really encourages me, and I, I keep that on my computer because when I look at that picture, I, I look at three kids that are very ordinary, don't seem, don't seem like superheroes in, in any way. They just look like three average college students. And yet what you guys have done over the course of your careers is so inspiring. And it just makes me believe in the power of God yeah. to work through ordinary people. Right. It's That's amazing right. to me to remember back JP got baptized in January. I got baptized in, in February and, and Bruce moved there in January. So, um, and then he, you know, he, he joined in with us. And so it was amazing. But seeing what God, how God has used them and blessed us the rest of our lives is amazing. So I want to encourage any younger people. God's going to do what he's doing now. And you're going to, in years from now, you'll be, you'll be amazed at what he's done through it. Yeah. He's going yeah. to do more than you realize. But well, when you're in the middle of it, you don't realize yeah, what you a don't big see thing it. is happening. You don't right. see it at the time. You don't right. see it. All that he's going to do. Right. <laughs> I want to encourage you. I want to spare you, help you not go through the anxiety we went through. <laughs> I want you to be more joyful in advance, knowing, oh, good, it's going to come. <laughs> that's that's great. And that, that kind of leads to this question. What advice would you give to a person who's listening, who wants to make this life count for God, who's, who does feel that anxiety? Like, hey, I want I want to make a difference for God. I want to, you know, I don't want to have any regrets. I want to pour it all out for him. Anything practical that they could take away? What well, I would say and one attitudinal is depend on the grace of God. Lean. I've, if I've ever learned anything about grace, it's because I had to learn a lot and be let God teach me and be gracious to me while I was in the ministry. And be, be humble. Um, be a learner and learn from the mistakes you make and learn from the things that other people can, wise people, godly people can teach you and uh, even trials and difficulties can. And uh, also know who your old self is. Remember what Paul taught about that in Ephesians 4, verse 22, to deal with, know what your old self's like and it tries to come back over and over again and deal with it and let other people help you with your old self. Mm. And uh, that'll, that'll keep you strong in the ministry and as a leader and where something won't come up that'll knock you out one day. Thank you. Yeah, I think... Uh... I think this generation is in men, there are many similarities to the hippie generation. Cause I mean, that was our whole, I remember it deep in our souls. We want to make a difference. We want our life to count. You know, I, we felt it so deeply. So I understand that feeling 
that young ones have. But I think a lot of it, what it did for us is it made us enjoy every step of the way. You know, like when my children were young, I was so aware of the fact that they were going to grow up that mm. I think I just, I really did enjoy the days. I enjoyed every day. <laughs> Sometimes I was crying at the end of the day. <laughs> I enjoyed those days um, with our churches and all the different places we lived. I think we we learned to look at each place as the magical place that each individual place was. Mm. Um, and we learned to see the good wherever we wherever we were and wherever that situation was. So I think some of it is you just you grab a hold of the day and you you live it for God mm. and you you kind of suck it dry. You enjoy it, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, because it only comes that day will be to will be yesterday, right. you know, when That's tomorrow right. comes. You you will go through trials, but trust that if you keep on doing the right thing, God's gonna bring good out of it. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for the time. Any final words that you'd like like to leave for people? Uh, Thank you for having us, bro. Uh, but any final words are, hey, the grace of God. Let 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 his let him continue to he not he, he didn't use up all his grace on you in the day you were baptized. He's going to yeah. keep giving it to you the rest of your life. So let him keep giving it to you and helping you, you yeah. know, helping you grow. And stay close to stay close to God. Stay close to God. You're going to make mistakes. We yeah. all do. But stay close. But know to that God. when we make mistakes, God forgives us and He'll help us overcome them. And, Amen. Yeah. Well, I just want to say thank you so much and how much I truly respect both of you. Thank um, you. I don't know if you remember this or not. This is a long time ago, but I planted a church in my hometown of Ashland, Oregon. It's a very small town. Did it self-supporting. We just had a very small church. It started in our living room. And at that time, I had young kids. I had very young kids. They were like six, six eight, and ten. And I... Uh, it was right in the wake of 2003. There was a lot of, wasn't a lot of structure. There wasn't anyone really looking out for us. And so I thought, who could I get to help me and disciple me? And I remember calling and emailing Sam Lang. I did that for a year. And <clears throat> um, I just, I, I would email you and I'd say, Sam, I know, I know that you don't know who I am, but <laughs> I want to let you know that I would, really like to see if you could help me and, and disciple me here. I live in Ashland, Oregon. I know you don't know where Ashland, Oregon is. It's only like 20,000 people. And I remember I finally got a call back after it was definitely a year of just kind of a drip program. And you called me and you said, uh, hey, this is Sam Lang. And I said, Sam, can you help me? And so I remember I, I invited you out. We could only afford to have you, Sam. And you came out and you did a marriage and family retreat for us. And we, we probably had... Oh, less than 15 people. I was fired up. That was a lot of people back then. I was like, this is awesome. We're cranking now. And you did a great time. You did a great lesson. We went motorcycle riding together. We went trail riding, which was a lot of fun. And then I remember um, you agreed to disciple me for about a year. And so we would just talk on the phone once a month for a year. So I just want to say I'm filled with respect for you. I appreciate that time in my life and the direction you gave me. And um, I love you guys very much. Thank you. No, thank you, brother. Thank you. Thanks for, and love your for, wife. Give thanks for letting life. me help you. Amen. Yes. And by the grace of God. Amen. That I'm able to do that, you know. And I want to thank you for listening today. Uh, if you're enjoying this podcast, I'd like to ask you to please subscribe and let your friends and family know. 
You can also email me with feedback or questions. I'd love to hear from you. It's rob at tucsonchurchofchrist.org. My goal is to inspire you to make this life count, live a no-regrets life, and to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Have a great day. Thank you, brother.